Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, a podcast celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. We invite you to learn more at the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia's website, wicd.org. And there you'll find out the latest information about a film we're producing called Decoders, a cutting-edge documentary that objectively and fearlessly explores fundamental questions about how we learn. To support the making of this film, find out more at WICD.org. And today, a bonus podcast of sorts. We have two wonderful guests for you, both of whom are very involved with the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. Carrie Court serves as the WICD director and also operates Court Communications, a marketing consulting company. And Cliff Court, who's been a leader in the mobile office and modular building industry for 30 years, serves as the chairman of the board for the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. This very happily married couple who've raised a beautiful family have had to cope with dyslexia in their own lives, but they've done so much to help others in the community with dyslexia. So please welcome Carrie and Cliff Court. This is going to be fun. I'm sitting here with two people I admire very, very much, and I met them through the organization WICD, and we've become friends and colleagues, Carrie and Cliff Court. And you guys are the power couple of the organization. It's great to have you. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Jordan, for having us. Okay. Start with you, ladies first, because I know he's a quiet one who will be very, very demure, and he won't say anything. But I want to start with you, Carrie. Uh, you did a piece on YouTube that I saw that was I'm, I'm I'm touching my heart because it was you just telling your story in a very, very open and emotional way. And that's not what we want to do necessarily here. But why is that so important to you to share your story? And we're going to talk about the two of you as a couple and as a family dealing with dyslexia. Why was that so important? It was an important story to me because I felt that there was no reason for people to, and, and children in particular, to continue on with the shame of dyslexia. And the shame that's felt when you can't read aloud, when you are called upon, and the hiding, and that uncomfortable feeling of always having to cover up your dyslexia. Mm -hmm. I went through that as a child. I told that story and gave some examples of that. And then I thought, why should kids do that today? It's so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So I joined this organization to really bring out the strengths of dyslexia and the advantages of it, and to let the world know about that. And we're putting together this film to create this story. Yeah, we'll talk more about the film as we did with Heidi on on her cast recently. All right, Cliff, uh, I, I kid you a lot. I love you. You're such a great, outgoing, uh, passionate guy. And tell your story, if you will, because I'm not as familiar with your story. Uh, you grew up where? I grew up in, uh, well, I was born in Milton, but we ended up living most of my life in Weston. Okay. And um, had sort of a failed educational experience in the what is relatively well known as to be a great school system in Weston. But I ended up moving to the Cambridge School of Weston because I wasn't achieving um, normal results in the public schools. And my family thought maybe I belonged in a, they had a specialized reading program uh, at the Cambridge School of Weston. So I ended up going there and um, did most of my high school there. But I guess I'm a product of uh, a failed, um, I always considered my educational background to be a troubled one, not successful, and uh, went on to a sort of a relatively mediocre college. And only when I went to some graduate school work at Harvard did I, and I was much later in life, did I feel like I was getting 
and ready to take in education the way it was being given to me. So, well, you've certainly been obviously a, a success in business, success in personal life, but we're we're talking about a few years ago. You and I are about the same age. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, things have changed, but they still need to change more, don't they? Yeah. No, I think the when I think of the subject of dyslexia, I sort of get a little bit um, frustrated because I can't spell it. I would spell it, you know, D-I-S. Not uh, somehow there's a Y in there. I don't know why there would be a Y, you know, <laughs> in the word dyslexia, but. Uh, just the fact that it's a complicated subject, it's a complicated um, definition, and I actually have heard and learned and uh, through some of my associations with the Web Center that big population in prison, big population on the streets, all dyslexia. So the cost to society and the personal cost that Carrie mentions about the, the self-esteem and the cost to kids that are untreated, it's just really frustrates me that, uh, you know, we have this failing educational system in the country today where maybe one in 10 are dyslexic and the kids aren't learning and there's no real outrage and there's no real um, public knowledge of of Mm. the seriousness. You hear about autism more than you hear about dyslexia. You hear about um, other sort of things that are troubling to society and we need to work on. Well, it's it's truly uh, the case that one cannot tell by looking at anybody if they have an issue with dyslexia. Uh, in fact, some of the more accomplished people in our world are dyslexic, and I have obviously going along and doing great things despite that. But it has been a, a stigma, and it has been difficult. And the fact that you guys are married and have children, not all of whom I understand have dyslexia, that's correct, creates an interesting storyline here. So let's start first, before we get to the kids, about how you two met and uh, and got together. So we met at college. We went to school at a um, small liberal arts school in New Hampshire called New England College. Mm-hmm. We actually met on their Arundel, England campus, though. Cliff was a senior. I was a sophomore at the time. But one of the reasons that we met was because that school often had students in it with dyslexia. And while at that time, 35 years ago, they didn't really have a formalized learning center to deal with dyslexia, they have really grown that today. Mm. And But they did have some tutoring on the side, and they had teachers that would meet with you and teachers that were understanding if you had some typos in your papers. It was also basically was the only schools we could get into. Well, you know, that, I don't think the bar was very high to get into that school. So right. the people that were having trouble, even though Carrie and students like her worked hard and did very well in school, mm. most of the most of the people I know with dyslexia didn't have early success because they didn't work uh, hard enough and through that, you know, to to do really well. So, but Carrie was uh, well. It was also a time when um, standardized tests were very much taken into consideration, and you didn't have schools saying you can waive your standardized tests. Mm. So this school was willing to overlook uh, low test scores, mm-hmm. which most dyslexics test very low because of the reading comprehension issue sometimes. Mm. And then here you are in school where romance often buds, <laughs> and it did, and it, uh, it's been a great run here, as we know. And the two of you share this. Was it something important to you to meet somebody with dyslexia? It was. I mean, I, I wanted someone that would understand me and, and I could say, hey, how do you spell this? Or does this look right to you? And not have them say, oh, you can't do that. You know, 
And uh, so Cliff has been a great. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, well, my, I great. find it more frustrating because I would ask her how to spell a simple word and she might not know. So the two of us then have to, you know, There's ask that her. way to look at it. You're right. <laughs> Thank goodness for Google. <laughs> yeah. And my spell check doesn't even work. I'm such a bad speller that I can't even be helped by my spell check. It doesn't. Well, you're spell. talking to a guy who, who has GPS and always takes the wrong road despite what they say. So, I mean, uh, I might have a little something else that we can talk about on another program. Now, you have children. Tell us about your family. Yes. So we have two daughters. Uh, we have a daughter that, who is the oldest one that is dyslexic. And she has attended the Carroll School in Lincoln, Massachusetts. And uh, that school was a tremendous help for her and remediated her. And um, she's in a graduate program now becoming a nurse practitioner. So, And your other daughter? And our other daughter does not have dyslexia. She's the only one in the family. And uh, she kind of rolls her eyes sometimes, but she's also very understanding, and she helps us with words we can't spell. Well, I was, I was just wondering, in a, in a world that is so big and complex, uh, if you guys are at all unique or if there are many families out there with a similar component, husband and wife both sharing the same uh, dyslexic issue. Well, certainly maybe not husband and wife, but certainly families because right. it is a biological um, gene that is passed down. Um, my grandmother had it. She attended Smith College um, and went on to receive a doctorate degree. Mm. But she died at 104 years old, and she said she still sat with a dictionary on her lap and looked up the word responsibility <laughs> at 104. Wow. So she couldn't remember how many eyes were in that word. <laughs> Did not, however, detract from her worth and her value and her respect that she garnered during her lifetime. That is so true. All right. So let's now get to the crux of this. You guys are a power couple, I said, and you're really leading the charge through this wonderful organization that we're podcasting from. And Cliff, uh, this is, I joined the board a couple of years ago and I walked into the first meeting and I thought, wow, people are serious. <laughs> Why are you so passionate about this? Yeah, I think the, um, I think the the seriousness of the subject and the it's widespread. So it's not just a small percentage of the population. And if any of the facts and figures I hear are true, even half true, the percentage of people with the with the you know dyslexia, the percentage of people in prisons and the homeless. If the if the percentages are right or even half right, it's an alarming cost to society. And so I feel like. That's a big deal. And then when I also go on to read about Richard Branson and Charles Schwab and, and uh, Spielberg and all these famous people that have now come out mm. of sort of the closet and say, I'm dyslexic, um, even uh, uh, so the entrepreneurism and, the, and the, the percentage of people that have a dyslexia that go on to just fight it through and go on to great financial success, not that we measure people's success by their financial success, but mm -hmm. evidently the truth is that a ton of entrepreneurs um, are dyslexic. And so yeah. that's interesting. And I think the public should go on to know that um, if somebody spells something incorrectly on a resume, you shouldn't discount them because they could come in and be your top performer, your programmer, your visual person, your 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 planner, your futurist, because the, the dyslexic mind is uh, very um, evidently scientifically now proven to have certain strengths that I think that the way businesses are going today you might want those people on your team. And that's why the movie that is in progress, Decoders, has such a, an important theme because we're not talking about, oh, anybody can do it, just rally yourself up and so forth, which is a good message. We're talking about the scientific proof 
and the research into neurobiology that says, yeah, you're wired a little differently, but it doesn't mean you can't take another course. So, Carrie, this film means a lot, and we want to get people to support it, obviously. Well, we do, and it's very exciting to get this out. And because of where technology has taken us today, too, we see dyslexics as having an extra advantage because we really wonder how much of the written mm. word is going to be in play. Things are moving to videos and audio and um, all of that, you know, on our devices that we receive daily. And um, so the world is changing, and we feel like this is a good message to get out for dyslexics. People can go to the website and see, as mentioned or in previous podcasts, can see the trailer, if you will, uh, which is really impressive, and it's got a lot of exciting stuff going on. And the goal, folks, is to raise awareness and funds to get this full movie produced, this documentary. But what have you learned in the process of of developing this film idea? I mean, what, what nuggets have you taken out from it? So what I've taken out is that there's a part of the population that is very aware of dyslexia and, and its strengths, and then a large pop part of the population that is still very unaware and just thinks that it's reversing letters. Mm. And, um, and when they see our trailer that on our website uh, for the film, they can't believe it. They think it's just crazy how exciting this is and how um, there's a potential for uh, kids that are dyslexic going forward. And, and Cliff, we talked about this a lot in various get-togethers. The fact is you've got to be able to reach people, and we're doing it through a podcast here, but there are other ways. You've got to be able to reach people. You almost want to shake the country and say, hey, wake up. It's, I know there are a lot of other problems, we know, but yeah. this one's important. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a little frustrated with the um, uh, the difficulty of funding the film. The film idea is a big idea, and you know, so many people have said, "Oh, you could never do a film; it's too difficult; it costs too much money." But that's just making me more motivated to want to do it. <laughs> so I I do think that um, the film should be made. I think that um, uh, dyslexia is a real uh, a colorful subject. With the deep um, socio sociological and uh, you know ramifications, and I really um, just want to see this film made for the betterment of society. You mentioned prisoners. Now that is not anything to gloss over. The fact that there are so many people who are behind bars and living on the streets and so forth, they have a lot of other issues too. But dyslexia seems to be very prominent. And when I think about how frustrating and horrible it must be to not be able to read or put words together. And then you add in economic, uh, you know, disparity. Wow, that's a that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol. Dr it's a yeah. recipe for, right, escape. Into oh, yeah, no, I do think crime. the drugs and alcohol, um, you know, the ADD, you know, ADD sort of overlaps with dyslexia mm. sometimes. That complicates the subject. But I do think self-medication is a big Know, part of uh, society's uh, solution to these um, anxieties, whether they're on the spectrum, off the spectrum, autistic, dyslexic, ADD, it's really kind of complicating and overlapping. And so to peel back the onion, get a film made on the subject of dyslexia, don't confuse it with all the other things, and let people understand how great the dyslexic mind can be, mm. which is really the most exciting thing. That is exciting, and uh, there are so many examples. You mentioned a few of them in, in the popular world, but you guys yourselves, and I'll talk with you for a minute about this, Carrie, because I know about Cliff's business background, but you've had to carve out a life not only as 
somebody on this board, but obviously as a successful person, mom who's very successful, a wife who's very successful. But what about your own career highlights and so forth? So um, uh, after I graduated from college, I went to work in the financial services industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I became a director of marketing for a small investment advisory firm there for almost 24 years. And um, it, I had what I needed in that job because I was allowed to hire people that could help me write, but yet I could be the ideas person. I could put forth campaigns, do creative material, and it was a niche for me in the investment world, and I, I, I really was thinking, enjoyed it. When you said that, I was thinking the word creative because to be in marketing, you kind of have to be somebody who thinks out of the box, and that is one of the hallmarks of the dyslexic mind, isn't it? It is, and um, but the other part of it is is that for me, I was always really great at starting a project and seeing it through to the finish. And I think dyslexics have a very linear, linear um, frame of mind and can actually see the end product before you get there. And you don't go off track. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of these were long-term projects that I put in place. I think Carrie is an example of someone who reached the top. She's being a bit humble. She reached the top of, you know, she went on to work for big companies like John Hancock and had two or three very successful top female management people at that time. So she reached the highest level Mm. of of, um, industry over those last 20 years. That's a good husband, by the way. No, it's true. No, no, that's (laughs) a good husband. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you to be a good wife because I know the business that this gentleman does uh, vaguely. I know he has a business that's very successful and it's a project business. It is a project business. And, and some would have a, a real challenge, uh, anyone would have a real challenge making that successful. I'll let you talk a little bit about him now. Well, I will say that um, Cliff's business um, started with some trailer leasing and um, he had to be very, he had to really bird dog it and stay on top of it. But he decided to morph the business into a modular leasing business or, and um, develop modular commercial buildings. And again, it was a long-term project. He stayed with it. His tenacity, his moxie, his grit to do it after he would have a little bit of a setback, he would be back up on his feet and fighting again. And I think that those qualities really are synonymous with someone that has dyslexia. Cliff, we were talking earlier about people who get frustrated, turn to anything else, alcohol, call it what you will. Your wife just described that sense of fight and grit and determination. That's what we want to see in people, I would yeah, imagine. Well, being resilient, um, resilient is a good quality. And I uh, I have to say that, um, you know, the dyslexia for me has been... Um, I think it's helped me see the big picture, um, make decisions without all the information, take risks. And so I think Mm. that um, part of that entrepreneurial um, DNA has really helped me because I I make some decisions based with very little facts and data, just sort of gut. And um, I think the dyslexic mind does have a a sense of um, a, a bit of they can see down the road a bit. Which makes somebody like Steven Spielberg... When you find out that he is dyslexic, makes it a lot of sense the way mm-hmm. he sees things, yeah. the way people like that envision things. Yeah, the, uh, being radical, um, a radical thinker, and sort of pushing the envelope, and 
um, just being aggressive with your goals. Mm -hmm. You know, some people think I'm a little crazy uh, with some of the things I try to achieve. But if you don't try to achieve them, then you'll never get there. So I think that um, that um, Richard Branson type of a brash um, goals or, you know, Elon Musk trying to go right. to the moon. These right. people have <laughs> big ideas. And not I'm not putting myself in the position of, of those great thinkers. But I just think in my own small way as a small business person – Making decisions without all the data, taking risks, being resilient, and um, not letting that lack of spelling or that, you know, getting the support you need. For, I have an assistant who does a lot of detail for me mm. because I'm not a detail-oriented person. Mm. Mm. And so being knowing to support yourself where you're weak, I think, is a real good, um, important um, thing. The center for uh, whom it's named, it's named after Gertrude Webb, Dr. Gertrude Webb. First of all, did either or both of you get a chance to know her at some point? Yes, we both did. Um, actually, Cliff got to know her a little bit better than I did, so I'll let him speak Yeah, no, today. she was an amazing woman, and I, I just sort of think of her as the Mother Teresa of dyslexia. <laughs> yeah. She's just so early in the dyslexic um, um, conversation, and the fact that she started that dyslexic program, uh, learning um, program at Curry. PAL program, well, it went on to change the law. Went on to change the law about, you know, about schools and the special ed she was a fabulous woman. That, the point I wanted to bring up when I mentioned her and for whom the center is named is that like Rosa Parks or Golda Meir, you know, these are little ladies, physically little ladies who had a huge impact. So my question is sort of a wish list for both of you. What would you like to see happen, A, in education on a grand scale and B, in, in say, the, the business world to make life a little better for the next generation with dyslexia? Carrie? Well, for in education, what I see going forward is technology. And I almost can lay out a scenario for kids these days that each child in the class would be given their own curriculum on an iPad, on a you know PC or whatever the device is. And each student would actually be benchmarked against themselves and not against the whole class. And this is sort of starting out first, second, third, fourth grade. And um, you could have dyslexic readers in a class with everybody else, and um, the teacher would grade them accordingly. And, and they could stay up with their class. They wouldn't have to be taken out for special tutoring. There wouldn't be that negative stigma around it. And I think using technology that way will really help kids. And, boy, is it available now more than ever. It's changing every day by the time yeah. – we hear this podcast uh, 10, 10 to 12 or 15 days from now, it might change. But you're absolutely right. Cliff, any thoughts? Yeah, no, that was, uh, I well said, I think that um, that's really good thinking on, on Carrie's part. I, I agree with that. But um, I guess I'd like a, a different word for the word you know, dyslexia. I want a different definition. I want the definition of dyslexia to be much easier to explain. I'd like for the uh, stigma of it to, to, to be lifted. I'd like a film to be made on the subject. I'd like the reality of the situation to become clear so teachers and parents and kids with it and kids without it will begin to, um, you know, see it for what it really is. A huge cost to society and an unbelievable opportunity for greatness. Mm. And know? it is a huge cost, no question about it. But with the technology that's available and 
the cost of it coming down, now's the time to act, it would seem. And it's a brilliant idea about doing and that individualized You could training. carry it right through into biz business. I mean, I think people now will start dictating their letters and, and um, working like that instead of necessarily typing them. One never uh, attacks someone who's legally blind for using an aid, some kind of a a machine to a talking reader or something yeah. like that. This Kurzweil now is the, right. And I have a, a manager on my management team and he said he prefers, I've been, I, I circulate certain books on certain subjects that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if he could get it on tape. And I was like, sure. That's, why didn't I think of that? I should have thought of that because some people like to, you know, listen to books it, versus it's, read them. It's becoming the the rage, books yeah. on tape and audible.com and all that. Yes. And and that's for everybody, not just those who need it, quote unquote. Well, the two of you are just such a great role model as a couple for what we're doing here. And uh, and I also know that you're doing a lot of outreach and, and meetings and inviting people to get involved with the organization, and they can go to the website to find out more. So let's do this before we wrap up. An appeal to the audience listening to this, anyone listening to this, uh, about the need right now, which is to get some funding for the full film to be made, and anything else you'd like to add. We'll start with uh, you, Carrie. www.wicd.org. Please go to our website view the sizzler or the trailer that's on our homepage, see what you think, and if you like it, please make a small donation for us, or and, a large one. And, and by the way, this should be said, that people who make a donation can, in a sense, become one of the the benefactors of the film and get a little recognition even. I mean, we're, we're not opposed to that, right? Yeah. The idea that that's correct. No, I'd love to receive a phone call from someone who has struggled with um, either in the family or they themselves have it, um, and um, they've learned to, you know, deal with it. And so I'd love to, to have people contact us through the website or call us and discuss, you know, how they'd like to participate, what they think of the subject, whether they think the film should be made or not, and give us some, give us some feedback as to um, whether they're all for it and they're happy to help or because they don't necessarily have to help with dollars. They might have an unbelievable story that they want to tell, and then you might, um, Jordan, get them to tell their story. Absolutely. That's a wonderful idea. And yeah. uh, this is an open-door letter to anyone out there who wants to be part of this. And you don't have to be dyslexic, obviously. You might have a friend or a, a child or a parent uh, who is. And by the way, that's probably or, most people. <laughs> or a teacher. Yeah. Or a teacher, absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you so much for spending a little time with me. Uh, and you're always so hospitable when I'm with you. And I want to thank you for your time. Most importantly, thank you for your efforts. And likewise, thank you for doing what you do to get the word out. Really appreciate your work. Good job, Jordan. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. Feel free to contact us here at our website, wicd.org. And there you'll learn more about how you can support the documentary film Decoders, which is currently in production. We welcome guest or topic suggestions for this podcast. Dyslexics Wanted is available on all major platforms, including Apple, and is a production of the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia. I'm Jordan Rich, wishing you a great day.